The theme for the afternoon talk is the non-duality of the heart. Initially, endeavour to give some explanation of the two words, non-duality and uh, the heart. Non-duality, Advaita, is one of the key themes in the exploration of the teachings. It's referred to in a variety of uh, different ways and any profound understanding of our relationship to life in some way or other will have to include an understanding, a wisdom, a clarity around non-duality. There is that understanding of non-duality in what's referred to in the texts as the worldly conditions. Praise and blame. You and I are subject at times to <clears throat> praise, surely. Subject at times to blame. Uh, success and failure is something which we wish for, we put time, energy, attention to, and it works out well. It's, 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 it's successful. Other areas, it doesn't work out uh, well, just not what we wanted. It's painful, it's a, called a failure. Profit and loss. Pleasure and pain. Health and sickness. So in our engagement in the world, you and I are constantly met with, confronted with, dealing with these dualities. And each one of them, whether we are appreciative or whether we are not appreciative, whether we are grateful or whether we are not, challenges our wisdom. Wisdom is explored and challenged through the facing, the attending to the dualities of life. We have that too as well with our inner life. Sometimes expressing itself in terms of uh, selfishness and being unselfish. In terms of fear, being fearless. Confusion, being clear, feeling expanded, feeling contracted. There are eight pairs of dualities of mind states that the Buddha explores in the four applications of mindfulness, the Satipatthana discourse. The third section, dealing with states of mind, is in fact eight pairs of uh, duality. Paul, incidentally, was sitting here, has a very nice book in German. This is, we're used to advertising, so... (laughs) <laughs> He's not giving me any dana for this free advertising, I should add. <laughs> um, on exploring a content- in contemporary language, the uh, discourses, uh, some of the major discourses of the, uh, of the Buddha, so that we can see their application uh, support in daily life. So in the four foundations of mindfulness, which I'm sure you covered it, in yeah. absolutely, <laughs> um, there's this area of these various mind states which uh, arise and there are dualities. 
Sometimes, with the areas of dualities, we make them a kind of opposite when they are not actually so. And the one that certainly stands out for me, quite often we say, oh, love and hate. But in Dharma language, there isn't an opposite to love. Hate, put it in a slightly different language, is, we could call it, a very intense form of disliking. This is hate, a very intense form of disliking. The opposite is a very, very intense form of liking. (laughs) Nothing to do with love. And we know how intense liking and being pulled towards the forces of attraction towards how much trouble that can get us into just as much as hating. So love doesn't fall neatly into the world of duality. Roman to touch upon is the area of the heart here. Touch upon, give some uh, examples of it and show and point to how when we look at ourselves, yes, we may have, shall we say, a leaning towards in one direction, a genuine value which is thoughtful and caring. But, however, if moving too much in one direction, it may generate or produce some kind of resistance or disliking or reaction to oneself. So even that which has some value for us can work well in some areas but not be skillful in another way. And therefore the exploration of duality and non-duality matters uh, uh, a great deal. And what will help probably would give some examples of this. One which we are probably all very common Uh, familiar with would be we speak about it here the language of openness has a high value as an experience in Dharma teachings and practices we can use as sometimes some of us do the language or the sharing of openness in a very total sense we'll say Life is extraordinarily open. The nature of life is incredibly open. It reveals and reflects itself in the openness of the universe. It reflects itself in the depths of openness that can be explored in the inner life. We can be open to relative issues. We can be open as well to the sense of something vast. Extraordinary thing, this openness. So we hear in Dharma circles, in psychology, psychotherapy, the beloved New Age, and all else about being open. We feel uncomfortable when, when somebody says, you're not being open with me. Oh my God, what do we do? Uh, etc. And when that kind of pressure is upon us, it's not that we respond, oh, you're so right. Oh, wonderful. Okay, I'm going to be totally open with you because now you told me I'm not open with you. Okay. No, no, whoa, wait a minute, etc. So sometimes in our taking this one area, yes, 
it is valuable and it is important to share with others, to be open. We heard the other evening in the not unusual uh, story of the Menage Trois, where something is held up or held back or kept secret for days, weeks, months or, or years, and it, it constantly produces in those triangular situations some kind of discomfort inside. Something doesn't feel right. So then that would even give us more feeling how important it is to be open, to be truthful. The exploration of this also has to be accompanied with wisdom. And what I mean by that is Dharma language is concerned with causes and conditions, because life is causes and conditions. And what that means is, sometimes there is a wisdom to be open. In the Dharma, there is a general acknowledgement as well, that things which get hidden, held up, unexpressed, tend to be more problematic. And as we all know, quite often for us, the first step to major significant change in life is being open. It's allowing that which is held up or blocked off to come into the light of awareness, to be looked at, to be shared. And once that has started, quite often it's the very beginning of major change. Things tend to be problematic through being blocked, through being held up through being denied or avoided in some way or other. So once we say, yes, this needs sharing, this needs attention there. But, in it about everything, with anyone, at any time, heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. Um, mentioning here with uh, one of the uh, communications in one of the one-to-one, I recall years ago giving a talk and the title of it was uh, it was given in California, no better place the title of it was The Value of Not Being Open <laughs> and what I mean by that is that wisdom that inner teacher that inner guide that Nicole referred to is to say, when is this wise and skillful? Who is the person? What's the place? What's the environment? What's the situation? And that kind of uh, reflection then allows us to say, yes, this is a trustworthy situation. Not, nothing is ever perfect. This is a situation here and now which I can have some confidence in. This is a situation now where there's respect for confidentiality, whatever it might be. Therefore, there are conditions for the openness. Sometimes, of course, it is a risk. It is a risk. And the risk is, in the openness, and one has to be very clear about risks, in the openness, it 
may work favourably at the time, when it's open, the other person really appreciates it. Thank you for sharing this with me. Thank you for speaking about this. I really appreciate your openness. It's given me a lot of trust in you. You've disclosed this, you've shared this uh, with me. It's really important. There's no guarantee that's going to be the response. The person can listen and say, Wow, what? I can never trust you again. <laughs> I've completely lost all faith in you. You've really let me down. Yet when in the communication, where there is some sharing, and quite often, not always, the more important it is, the deeper it is for oneself in its importance, the bigger the risk. This is called life. <laughs> this is called life. Some situations, because there is a moral, ethical component to it, it is not easy to say or answer. I give you a good example of, uh, of this. A year or two ago, a similar situation I referred to, a friend of mine, who's a um, psychotherapist. These things happen. It's These things happen. Energies happen, whatever. Very, very briefly became involved with a uh, person. He was giving a, um, what do you call it? They, they go off to one of these uh, islands in, in the Med. And they do yoga and psychotherapy and psychology and new age exercises. He's a group leader in all of that. And one night, one clearly hot summer's night, <laughs> with all these beautiful women around, in their 20s and 30s and 40s and blah, 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 he had, what shall we say? Well, you know what I mean. And... <laughs> And it was just happened, you know, they were having a lovely time, they'd done lovely yoga and the energies were flowing <laughs> and they were wearing their bikinis and their little shorts and what, whatever and he and her went for a walk on the beach and then they made love on the beach under the moonlight and felt terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so he came round to my house yeah, and he got back from this uh, island and he said he's married been married 10-15 years got a couple of kids he just said he felt sick to the stomach sick to the stomach and he arrived home and he was in a t this terrible conflict is he open or did he say nothing so, and I know him well, and I know the family well. Asked me, what, what? I hope you're not looking 
for me, for what I said, I, but he asked me, what should he do? Should he speak up or not speak up? And talk, don't talk. And the phrase that was running through my attention as we listened from this classic statement, it's been one of the guiding lines of my life here. Buddha says, speak that which is true and useful. And on that kind of basis and that kind of reflection, he has to come to an understanding there. Because you can't half do it. You can't have a middle way. You, either you, you speak or you don't. There's no if or but. And he was confronted uh, with that. And I just use it as, um, as an example, and there may be others in our life, whereby there is a wisdom at times in being open, at times, it's provisional, it's conditionality. And there is a wisdom at times in keeping one's peace with situations. And I think one has to be, even though we may lean towards, more towards one, as I mentioned, I think there are at times wisdom of, not, of non-openness is a wisdom at times. The difficulty with either way, of course, either way, that we can have, if there is a, a tendency either way, we need to watch the tendency because the tendency might mask, cover up the wisdom. Sometimes one's very open with somebody and speaking about something, whatever it might be, and one assumes the person understands there's some confidentiality with it, whatever it's about. And this person then goes to everybody around, whatever it might be, and the outcome of that is a loss of trust. So this Exploration here, no guarantee, as I mentioned, but it's a, it's, a, it's a wisdom of learning to work with, listen to others, listen to oneself, and see what's skillful. And therefore, openness is related to not openness. The non-duality of the heart in this particular case is being, as much as we can, clear as possible. Not an easy practice. Sometimes in the same way we're on the receiving end. In other words, somebody comes to us there's an exchange which, uh, which takes place. Sometimes we hear things about the particulars. Remember this uh, meditation yesterday evening on the focusing of the leaf in relationship to the bush. That in the giving of attention to and in the listening to the non-duality of the heart in this case is the capacity to accommodate both the particular and the general and therefore in other words somebody comes to us with some particular information it could be about themselves it could be about somebody else whatever it might be and in the listening or giving the attention to the particular, 
We have to be watchful it doesn't cloud the wisdom. We're extraordinarily, I think, vulnerable to impressions, and remember there are impressions, which we are told about other people, or we have about other people. And sometimes we don't realise that our mind has been, has been made up about somebody because of an impression that somebody else has. And that impression may have come from somebody else. I think we call it gossip. <laughs> and we can't see clearly and wisely because we're trapped in the impression. The impression is not the person. The impression is not the human being. I remember years ago, you know, some of these things kind of stay in my attention. Years ago, or maybe 20 years ago or more, I would go to prison. I wasn't sent there, I went voluntarily. And meeting some of the prisoners in their cells, doing long term. And one of them was an armed robber. And I said, what happened? He said, well, me and my mates, we knew that this uh, van went by, which every Friday, to bring the wages to this huge milk factory. And the van went down a very quiet road. And we were in the, we were robbers in business. And he said, uh, so we planned the robbery to get all this money out of the van along this quiet road there. And uh, he said, we got caught, for which he got 12 years. And he said, we got there, the police were waiting for us. <laughs> Some had already tipped them off in the underground. So there's this guy, a rather big, heavy guy, tattoos all, all over him there. But on the wall of the cell was a picture of his wife and kids. Pictures. Yeah, that's true, picture. And I thought, God, here's this guy. Other cells have got pictures of, you know, naked women and the guys are masturbating to them night after night. And this guy has got these pictures of his family on the wall. And once he's gone talking about his wife and kids, who he sees two hours per month on the prison visit, his eyes light up. The father comes through. The husband comes through there. And what, I said, what good do you think being an armed robber was for your wife and kids? He said, oh, I thought, well, it was just one big job and then we're set up for life. Thinking, <laughs> 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 thinking. I suppose one could see a certain selflessness in it. It won't stretch the mind a bit. <laughs> in other words... Right Right effort. <laughs> Which you also can find in the Paul's book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And that meaning, there is the particular. The guy is an armed robber. He has a shotgun in his hand. He could kill, shoot. The guy is just driving the van to the milk factory for the workers. And yet, as the Buddha said, the mind, the inner life, is vast and deep and can hold all manner of opposites. The loving father and the armed robber who is willing to murder somebody, or possibly, in order to get rich. Same human being. And it's an enormous challenge in the non-duality of the heart, in our meetings with ourselves and with each other, to find ways to address both the brutal and the beautiful, the appreciative and the intolerable. And that's a incredible exploration and challenge for each and every one of us. That's why non-duality is so important. Sometimes there is the duality of the past and the present. Very important non-duality of exploration. There is no past that we can get to. Nobody, not the greatest of scientists, nor the greatest of meditators, can actually enter into the past. It's gone. It's not around for us. Our impressions matter. We can use the resources of the material, as the scientific community will do, which is available to in the present. Rock formations, plant formations, stars or whatever. To give us some means, to give some measurement to time. Fair enough, why not? Not the ultimate truth of things, but it's how things appear. And from that we can draw conclusions. To some degree... That exploration of the past and the present, just as the scientists will use, is the drawing of impressions, the drawing of conclusions which may change and adapt in the field of time, as they constantly do, of course. But it's the same for you and I, meaning, in other words, there is the so-called past, which is impressions, and there is the other aspect of the duality which is called this present life or my present life. What happens, the most important thing, I think, or one of the most important things, is what happens in a significant experience. What happens? In other words, let's put it another way, we may have a major conflict with somebody. It happens. Ships pass in the night, ships collide in the night, and ships sink in the night. It is, goes on. Nah. Hopefully not too much of the third. And there can be tension, argument, differences, misunderstanding, not being clear about, dissatisfaction, confusion, pain, anguish, frustration, all impacting upon each other and going on cosmically and globally and socially and personally for 
eons it's been going on there. We feel at the time quite caught up in it. Tomorrow you go home. You go to see friends and family. You'll get the reminders, as always, from Nicole and I. When you go home, please try to remember that those that you go to see may not be fully prepared for the great insights you've had about them during <laughs> while you've been away. <laughs> There's no point in opening up the front door key, walking in and saying, I've realised a few things about you since I've been away. <laughs> it's rather unlikely to say, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord, Allah is merciful, please tell me I can't wait. The person's going to be on their guard, they're going to be on their defence already, immediately, they're not ready for it. Some people go home and walk straight into a pressure cooker situation. One has gone home, so much loving kindness, we are all plants of the earth, sharing life together. Life is so beautiful. And you walk in the front door, and straight away, he or she or they is waiting for you. They have built up so much stuff in a week, <laughs> you can't imagine. And you walk in, it's about time I've been waiting for you. <laughs> I have a few things to say to you. Why hasn't this been done? And you didn't do this. And you left me like this. And oh, no, 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 this happened. And all that happy glow, <laughs> all that sense of the beauty and wonder of life, <laughs> etc. Suddenly, it's all disappeared. And one is back. <laughs> it's called life, also. So sometimes, this means that in a difficult or painful interaction, it happens. The wise, the wise, are wise about what is the impression left at the end of it. I may not be able to start, stop an argument, misunderstanding, conflict or confusion, and may not just know how to handle one's own personality or another's personality well. We do collide. Stars up there, they collide. Chances that we don't have a collision in life. Rather small. But, at the end of it, the wise say, seeing the end of it, not holding to the impression is the act of love. That one doesn't place like having coloured sunglasses which makes the world all look blue and brown. One doesn't carry the impression of someone from yesterday into today. Yesterday's argument is not today's person. This is wisdom. This is an understanding of the non-duality of the heart, meaning of clinging to yesterday over and against today. Not easy. And sometimes after difficult one has to just breathe, 
let go or realize or appreciate what is old, what happened, this is what happened. There's learning from it, there's insights uh, from it. But if the love is there, and love means not clinging to yesterday, if the love is there, the love will come through. If one's holding to the impression, one is blocking the love. And that's a huge challenge for all of us. One is holding to the impression, one is blocking the love. Sometimes, we, in our awareness, in our exploration, hopefully understanding of the non-duality, we may be misunderstood. Period. Personal attacks may be made on us. It happens. Still, the challenge with that, when under attack, whoever, whatever it, it, it might be, the challenge is, can we keep our peace? And sometimes, in that exploration for us, the non-duality of the heart is not entering into the conflict. What's easy? Duality is conflict. It's not entering into the conflict. It may be, back to the duality again, it may be noble silence. Sometimes just to keep one's Sometimes the inner guide, the trust, the voice within says the skillful thing is to say nothing. Whether it's a mixture of projections and truths and non-projections and all projections or whatever, sometimes the skillful thing is to say nothing. Sometimes, and therefore keeping one's silence, I was reminded this is probably one of the great statements of Noble silence was uttered by the rabbi from Nazareth when called before Pontius Pilate just a couple of days before his obscene and murderous uh, execution of Jesus. And Pontius Pilate said to him, And what's the truth? And Jesus just knew. The sense can see this is coming from a place of arrogance. What's the truth? Since Jesus had spoken about truth in its most, one of its most powerful expressions about which is love, as a great statement of truth, he just kept noble silence. Just knew Pilate in his arrogance. Couldn't listen. Wasn't really interested. Just kept his noble silence. So sometimes it's in that. The Buddha made a statement. When I first read it, God, it sounds a bit arrogant. The Buddha once said, I do not dispute. Everybody know the word dispute? Like have conflict. He said, I do not dispute with the world. But sometimes the world disputes or has conflict with me. Oh, hang on a minute. Well, if 
in the depth of being in touch with ourselves. I, I noticed this in myself, and I'm sure you do too. We can be communicating with another. There is a real difference of view. There's a difference of view. When it's dispute or conflict, there is, there's a certain kind of change being felt in the communication. That when it, gets into, when it enters into duality, me fighting with you, me having an argument with you, me having a dispute with you, there's certain duality, me and you, I and them. There's a certain separateness that is going on, and one feels it, there's a certain tension, a certain holding, the desire to get one's own way, to win the argument, or whatever. And that makes the duality for the heart, the duality of one's own heart, or own personality with another. At times, I also see as well with, with this, that we can be speaking with another from the place of non-duality of the heart, meaning we don't feel we're in an argument. We're not fighting our corner. We have not no wish to put her or him or them down. <coughs> we're not attacking. We're not getting defensive. We're just speaking the truth as we see it. And it's coming within, from within, in a place of clarity and calmness. The other person, or people, may be trying to pick a fight with us. They may, may be making accusations. Oh, you appear incredibly controlling. Your peace doesn't impress me at all for one moment. You're just suppressing it or whatever. Oh, you're so cold, you're so distant, you're so detached, you're so this, you're so that. Oh, you're on your high horse. Blah, 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 blah. All of this is to get one agitated or whatever. But one is just able. There's some wisdom inside and calmness inside that one is trusting in the moment, in the experience, in the sharing and communicating from a place which one has to trust in which is wisdom and some clarity and some sharing and there's no wish to put the other person down, defend oneself, but just speaking as one sees and knows. These are two important concepts. Basati, Yanati, the Buddha says. That means the seeing means contact with the experience and the knowing, the ability to speak wisely and clearly about it. And one's just keeping trust with seeing and knowing. No matter what the, the reaction is from the other person. And then one can put one's hand on one's heart and, like the Buddha said, though the world may dispute, world means other people, though the world may dispute with me, I am not in dispute with the world. I am not in dispute with the other person. This is a non-duality of the heart, speaking well, calmly and clearly, not feeling in an argument. And that, those sort of situations for us are a, a real challenge 
because there's a sense that by not feeding a conflict there's more chance for it to be resolved. It's that listening to each other and as the Buddha said and reference was made to this by one of you the other day that in the act of listening it's being able to listen in the beginning these are the Buddha's words here in the middle and in the end. And one of the precious elements of a non-dual understanding, that means embracing self and other, is that we are able, not easy, but able to listen in the beginning, listen in the middle, and listen in the end. And even in the totality of the listening, from a non-duality of the heart again, the act of the listening itself is a practice may require our reflecting back what we listen to. Just because we listen totally and give another total presence and total attention, it doesn't necessarily mean, because of our own limitations, that we really have understood what the person is saying, even with total attention. And therefore, at times, it requires some mirroring and reflecting back. All of that is the exploration of wisdom of the heart. Openness, yes, at times, and non-openness. Looking at impressions, not clinging to impressions. Sharing, which recognises the taking of risk. Acknowledging there is no guarantee for the outcome, no matter how clear, how wise, how loving, how skillful, how beautifully something is expressed, there is no guarantee it will land well. <laughs> it's a phenomena. The relationship of the past, so-called, that means impression, and how they impact on the present. And the willingness to take uh, an, um, an interest in all of this, an exploration in all of this, is and does naturally bring about an understanding of what liberation is. Liberation is not being tied, caught in the duality. Not being caught in it. May all beings live with love. May all beings not cling to the past. May all beings be free and rich in trust in the present.